I'm Timothy Putnam, and I'll be your host for the next hour. Each week, we gather right here to explore the foundations of our faith, to look at the implications of our faith in our daily lives, so that together, you and I can prepare to live outside the walls. I spend a lot of time, I find, trying to walk that tight line, that tight rope between being overly scrupulous and being overly lax, between being overly hard on myself and letting myself off the hook a little too easily. I don't know if you have the same problem. Perhaps you tend more to one side or the other, uh, but I vacillate. I go really both ways, uh, looking at my, my failings and my faults and really beating myself up about them. But then also other times saying, well, you know, I did my best. It's not that big a deal. I'll just continue in the way I'm going. And I think that holiness lies in between those two, in recognizing the seriousness of our human condition, of our failings, but also realizing that Christ gives mercy in abundance. Today, we're going to be talking with Father Jacob Boddicker. He's a brand new priest. Uh, he's Jesuit, just ordained on June 3rd this year. And this last week on Facebook, I came across uh, a post that he wrote. Uh, a mutual friend posted it. I wasn't his friend at the time. I've since remedied that. Uh, I came across this post that he wrote in the way that he, uh, in his first months as a priest, uh, has come to experience confession and, and a very specific thing that he did there. So we're going to be talking with him later in the show. But before we get there, I, I want to dwell a little bit on confession, on what it means to me. I'm a convert, so I, I, did, I haven't experienced this my whole life. I've, I've had it just these last six years. And uh, I want to talk to you a little bit about how I have come to experience confession. Uh, and I want to start off by reading the reading from yesterday, the, the responsorial psalm uh, from yesterday's readings. During the first reading, we've been going over the, uh, the, the exodus and the giving of the law. Uh, and so accompanying that today or yesterday, we had this responsorial psalm. Uh, the response was, Lord, you have the words of everlasting life. And it starts off, the law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The decree of the Lord is trustworthy, giving wisdom to the simple. And how often do we think about the, the laws of God as being refreshing. You know, we think of the laws as, as being restrictive or burdensome. And yet, I, I really think that there's something to this. The law of the Lord is perfect. It refreshes the soul. If we look at it from the side of, oh, here are all the things that you can't do as a Catholic, or you have to go to confession, well, then yes, it may feel restrictive. But rather than looking at that, if you look at it from the, the light of these are the things that put you in union with Christ, these are the things that enhance your relationship with Christ, and these other things over here are things that can self-destruct that relationship, all of a sudden, it doesn't have the same connotation. Now it's not, don't do this. Rather, it's saying the opposite of this is going to give you life. Again, that, that response was, Lord, you have the words of everlasting life. And so through his law that he was, that, that's been given to us, right, through this law of God, we have an opportunity to maintain the relationship. Now, here's the thing that we know on this side of the cross is that you and I, through our own efforts, cannot be good enough for God. We've broken that law. 
it's just, it's a truth of human nature. You and I have broken the law of God. We are selfish, snippy people. I'm going to assume that that goes for you too. I know it goes for me. I know that there are times that I am short-tempered and I am gruff and I am more uh, prone to do the thing that I want to do rather than to follow after God. This is uh, Paul, the Apostle Paul, the great Apostle Paul in the book of Romans chapter 7. He talks about this. The thing that I want to do, that thing I don't do. And the thing I don't want to do, that I do. And he says, who can save me from this body of death? This body of death that chooses the thing that will harm me. And he says, praise be to God through our Lord Jesus Christ, right? Jesus is the one through his death and resurrection of the cross that that provides for us a way to be in relationship with God. Can't do it on our own. And yet, that law is given to us. These commands of God are given to us, not so that we can be good enough for God, but that so we won't self-destruct that relationship, so that we won't time after time after time say, you know what? I've had enough of you, God, I'm going to do what I want, and then go off and do it. The law is there to show us the way to maintain that relationship. But more than that, God also knows that we're going, we're going to self-destruct that relationship. Again, it's part of human nature. And he never tires of giving us mercy. And so here's where I I struggle with that, trying to to walk this line of holiness, because I know that God wants me to walk uprightly. He wants me to be a just person. He wants me to uh, to not lose my temper, to be charitable, to grow in the virtues uh, in the way that I deal with those people around me, to see in every person Christ and to serve Christ in every person. That's what God wants for me. And I know that I fall short of that. And so I look at these things and I'm like, oh man, I chose to do that thing again. I chose to indulge in my own temptations rather than to call on the mercies of God and the graces of the sacrament to avoid those things and to grow in maturity. I chose again to do the wrong thing. And so I want to beat myself up. But then God gives mercy abundantly. And so I tend other times to say, oh, but you know what? God forgives me, and so it's not really that big a deal. So there's this balance, this really tricky balance that I'm, I have to admit I've not found yet uh, perfectly. At least I can't maintain that balance of, of really recognizing the seriousness of my sin without tending to despair and really knowing the mercy of God without being tempted to laxity. How have you found a way to do that? Uh, if you have uh, a practice, a spiritual discipline, a spiritual uh, devotion that helps you to maintain that balance, why don't you come over to social media? Facebook.com slash Step Outside the Walls. On Twitter, the handle's at Outside the Walls. And talk to me about the way that you maintain that balance in your life. Now, I want to talk a little bit about this sacrament of confession because for me, this was probably one of the most satisfying experiences of my conversion into Catholicism uh, was going in, sitting down with the priest for my first confession for that uh, 45 minutes to an hour that I had with him. And it took me a while to get through all my stuff. And to hear those words of absolution, I, I felt an assurance that I had never experienced in all my years of 
uh, evangelicalism just go straight to God and ask for forgiveness. I, I hear a lot of people say to me, uh, well, you know what? Uh, why do I have to go to a priest and confess? Can't I confess straight to God? Uh, this is a really common Protestant objection, but I'm, I've also heard some Catholics tend in this way. And what I say in response to this is, even if you could go directly to God, even if somehow you were able to, to perfectly commune with God in your spirit and to pour out to God all that you had done, it, there's something missing there. And that is this assurance of pardon. You and I are material beings. We are body and soul. And so God has given us material ways to receive his spiritual grace. And so for me, you know, I was raised being told you go directly to God, you ask him to forgive you, and all of your sins are forgiven and forgotten. And I, I professed that, but I didn't believe that. And I didn't believe that because every time that I would go and I would confess something directly to God, then I would just a, a week later doubt that forgiveness. And I would be weighed down again with the guilt of that sin. And I would wrestle with it and struggle with it and say, but God, but I was told that God forgave me and doesn't remember why am I still confessing this? And yet the guilt remained. And so here I am uh, as an adult for the first time getting up to a priest and confessing, and I hear those words of absolution, and I feel it in my spirit, and I know it in my heart that God has just now forgiven me through his priests. He's forgiven me, and now it is gone. And I've not ever since that time felt that, that nagging return of guilt. I have been freed of that by the grace of God. When God sent his son to earth, he became incarnate. He put flesh on. It's a, the enfleshment of God. Uh, and, and he took on our nature and, and was right there with us, walking through daily life, meeting us where we are. And the sacraments, now that Christ has risen and ascended and seated at the right hand of the Father, these sacraments are again, incarnational. They make Christ present to us. They make the grace of God present to us right here, just as if Christ were sitting here walking with us, right? That's why the priest is acting in persona Christi, in the person of Christ. He is manifesting for us the presence of Christ. And so here we are in the confessional, meeting with Christ, receiving forgiveness from Christ, through the priest, that absolution that, uh, that he promised he would give us through his apostles in John 20. And so I want to encourage you, maybe you haven't been to confession in a while. Uh, maybe it's something that you get a little bit nervous about. Go sit behind the screen. It's okay. They, they hear confessions of a lot of people, and they want you to know that Christ is waiting to meet you, to make himself manifestly present to you, to forgive your sins and to restore you to relationship with God. When we come back, we're going to be talking with Father Jacob Boddicker. He's a brand new priest, a Jesuit. We're going to be talking about his experience in these first months as a priest in the confessional. You're not going to want to miss it. It's a great conversation. Join us over on facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle's at outside the walls. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back right after this. Welcome back to Outside the Walls. 
where we explore the foundations and implications of our faith on our daily life. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam, and today we're talking about the sacrament of confession. And uh, this wasn't my plans. I, I, you know, we've been talking about evangelization. Last week we talked about doing the liturgy of the hours uh, in our homes and, and fostering community in that way. And uh, during the week, I came across uh, this this wonderful post about the sacrament of confession from a new priest. Uh, who was a friend of a friend on Facebook, because you know I hang out there, facebook.com slash step outside the walls. Go and join that conversation. But as I was uh, looking through Facebook, I came across this post, and I was just intrigued by it. It was beautiful and glorious, and so I immediately went out in front of the priest. And a uh, brand-new priest, he was just ordained on June 3rd, and in, in a very short span of time, now he's here with us on the show, uh, Father Jacob Boddicker, he's a Jesuit, uh, currently serving in Omaha for a very brief stint before you go off and continue your ministry in South Dakota. Thank you so much for being a part of the show today. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. So you're, you're a new priest. This is um, all brand-new, fresh experience of— yeah administering the sacraments. And, you know, sometimes that fresh experience brings with it uh, a new way of looking at things, uh, creativity in in that pastoral approach. So go ahead and unwrap for us here what you said in your uh, Facebook post about confession. Yeah. So uh, I posted kind of three things that had occurred to me in uh, my very new ministry as a, as a priest and, and hearing confessions here in Omaha. Um, the first thing that really struck me um, was that only good people go to confession. And uh, it's not that I had any, any thoughts that, you know, only wicked people go to confession <laughs> and then good people don't, but just like being able to see on a very deep and personal level, the goodness of the people who do come to confession. And, um, and some people in the comments section wondering what I meant by only good people go to confession. And what I meant was that, um, you know, the sacrament of reconciliation is a sacrament. It's a good thing. Mm-hmm. And availing of ourselves of a sacrament is a good thing. And, you know, a really wicked person um, tends not to do good things. Well, and even to and, recognize the need for that sacrament is in itself, right. uh, even if it's an imperfect contrition, there's there's some aspect of humility of, oh my gosh, I need to go to confession. Exactly. Um, and, and what are we doing? We are going to God because he is the one who saves us and forgives us. And like, that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. And so I guess one reason why I put it to words and wanted to share it with people is... Um, there can be a kind of a social stigma of, oh man, if people see me going to confession, then they're going to know I'm a bad person. <laughs> but in fact, going to confession is a strong indication that you're a good person. Mm-hmm. Um, the saints went to confession. The saints weren't those who didn't go to confession. Those who didn't go to confession uh, tended not to be canonized saints. <laughs> right. uh, so just to help people realize that going to confession is not indicative of you're a bad person. Mm-hmm. Now, some priests have mentioned someday you will meet a bad person. in the <laughs> um, I'm very blessed so far that I haven't yet. Mm-hmm. So that was the first point. The second point I made was that um, 
I think the way I put it was pornography is an absolute plague. Mm -hmm. Um, So I've only been hearing confessions for uh, about a month and a half now. And that is probably the sin that I hear the most. Um, And while I knew that it was a pervasive problem in our society, um, not only to have it confirmed, but also just to get a sense of the spiritual havoc that it wreaks in people's lives. Yeah. Uh, so um, I can't recommend strongly enough if any of your listeners struggle with pornography um, to ask God for the grace to uh, take those first steps in getting it under control. Um, and the best way to get pornography out under control is to get rid of it. Right. <laughs> um, you know, it's like trying to hold an open flame in your hand, like right. you're going to get burned. So I've been recommending uh, any kind of blocking software, especially Covenant Eyes, because mm-hmm. it has that accountability partner. And um, because it's a sin that thrives in darkness. Right. And the more you bring it into the light, the less power it has. We did a show about this a, a few months ago with uh, Marcel Lejeune. He's got a new book called Cleansed uh, uh, that really walks people through that process of getting free from the scourge of pornography. And so I'll put that up in the links to our social media on facebook.com slash step outside the walls. Twitter, the handle's at outside the walls. We're talking today with Father Jacob Boddicker, a brand new Jesuit priest just ordained back in June. And we're talking about his experiences in this first few months with the Sacrament of Reconciliation. Father, in your Facebook status, you mentioned a third aspect of your uh, your observations on the Sacrament of Confession that just really captured my attention. Yeah, so I had a Saturday evening Mass, and the parish where I serve, we have confessions starting an hour before Mass. And so when you are the confessor and the presider, you have to cut confessions 10, 15 minutes early so that you can go get vested, you know, make sure that the missile has is set and ready to go and do all the things you have to do to get ready for mass. And as I left, I, I looked out to see if there were any people left waiting for confession and there were a few. And so I, I, I asked, you know, who is here still waiting for confession? And a few people raised their hands and I said, I will come back to the confessional right after mass if you want to come back. So I went, I, I did mass. And then uh, as I was greeting people on their way out of the church, I just was kind of struck by this sudden thought that if any of those people who are waiting for confession were not able to receive Eucharist because they hadn't gotten a confession, you know, that, that kind of struck me as kind of sad, like just because of my own human limitations they weren't able to receive Eucharist. But if they had uh, attended Mass, um, mm-hmm. I wanted to, to provide the opportunity for them to receive the Eucharist if they came back for confession. So I asked the sacristan to prepare a pyx um, full of hosts from the tabernacle um, that I could take to the confessional with me in case any of those people happened to come. And uh, so I went into the confessional And sure enough, few people came. And at the end of each confession, I asked them if they were at mass. And a few of them said that they had been. And then I asked, were you able to receive communion? And a few of them said no. And then I asked them, would you like to receive communion? And they said yes. And uh, so I I opened the screen 
and was able to give them the Eucharist there in the confessional. And uh, it was a really powerful moment uh, of ministry because I could see the, the relief and the, the joy in their faces. Um, but also I feel like um, the Lord was really joyful to be present there. Uh, you know, you, you just imagine like what was going on in, in the hearts of these people during mass. Like I wanted to receive communion today, but I couldn't cause I, I was too far back in line in confession. And, um, and so I, I wanted to share that on Facebook, A, because I'm a new priest and I have a lot of Facebook friends who are veteran priests. Mm-hmm. And I was wondering if any other priests did this. Um, and if not, like maybe it would be a helpful kind of pastoral idea. Right. Um, but also just because it was a, such a powerful experience for me um, to share in the Lord's joy and, and welcoming this person home and being there at the, you know, right after confession, receiving Eucharist, like what could please our Lord more? Right. Now, out of all those veteran priests, had any of them done something similar before? Yeah. uh, Several of them said that they have done this before, or, um, you know, a person might come up to them after mass and say, I wasn't able to get to confession. Um, Would you be able to hear my confession now? And then they would do that. And then um, the priest would ask if they'd like to receive communion and they would go to the tabernacle and mm-hmm. retrieve a host and bring it back to the person. Um, but it hadn't occurred to them to keep the pics um, with them in the confessional. Um, some priests hadn't even thought of that and thought that's a really great idea. Um, some people, you know, shared stories of their priests who do come back to confession after mass um, some lamented that they they feel like their priest is in a hurry to get somewhere else. And so they have to leave right after mass. Um, so every priest has their own right. circumstance situation. Well, and sometimes there really is a, a legitimate need to get somewhere fast. You've got priests who have more than one parish. They've got another exactly. community of people to be uh, looking out for. And so this is, again, a, a reason for us not only to uh, to feel sorrow that that, that we have this priest shortage, but to also begin mm-hmm. to ask the questions of, uh, do I have a vocation to the priesthood? Or is there someone near me that I can speak to that that I think really has the qualities or really has a, a dispensation that they should begin considering the priesthood? Uh, this is a thing that, the, yes, we have these wonderful priests who do wonderful things, who offer us the sacraments, but we also have a responsibility to help uh, be a part of that, to mm-hmm. to look to our neighbor, to look to those uh, young men who are sitting next to us week in and week out and say, you know, sometimes all it takes to begin that discernment journey is someone looking at them and saying, hey, have you ever considered being a priest? Yeah. We're going to continue this conversation with Father Jacob Boddicker, brand new Jesuit priest, right after this break. Why don't you join us over on social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle is at outside the walls. And if you want more, well, we've got extra segments available for our supporters. Go over to OutsideTheWalls.com and click that Patreon link and see how you can support the work we do and get cool stuff in the process. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. You're listening to Outside the Walls.
Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the foundations and implications of our faith on our daily life. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam. And today we're talking with Father Jacob Boddicker. He's a Jesuit out of Omaha, brand new priest. He was just ordained on June 3rd. And he has this wonderful experience that he shared on Facebook uh, about his first month, first couple of month revelations about the sacrament of confession. And so uh, we're going to continue that conversation now. I wanted to talk to you a little bit about this whole Jesuit ideal of living a life continually examining your conscience, the whole uh, Jesuit examine out of uh, Jesuit spirituality. Talk to me a little bit about how that plays into uh, to, to your, your call, to your charism, and, uh, and in, into your ministry. Yeah, so um, kind of the whole idea behind the examen is to take 10, 15 minutes once or twice a day just put yourself in God's presence and to reflect over the events of the, the time that's uh, gone by since the last time you did your exam. so uh, a lot of people do one like midday and then right before bed. Those are two good times. So you reflect on the events of the day um, with God, kind of walk through it and um, take note, first of all, of the, the things that you're grateful for. So whether it was, oh, my favorite song came on the radio and my drive to work, or I had a, a really wonderful conversation with one of my children. Uh, it could be anything, doesn't have to be profound. Um, anything that inspires gratitude and to thank God for all those gifts. Um, and then to reflect on the day again and kind of notice the times where you fell short of what you want to do for God, how you want to live. Um, then kind of the next step is to uh, talk to God about those things and then make a resolution of pick one thing like, okay, the next time I'm in this situation, the next time I see this person at work, instead of doing what I did, mm-hmm. I'm going to try to do this and ask God for help and then make an act of Thanksgiving. Um, for all the things that God has done for you in the day so far um, and thanksgiving for his mercy and his patience and the help he's going to give you uh, to grow in holiness. And the idea of that is I think twofold. One, it's to cultivate a relationship with God. Yeah. Uh, imagine if you uh, talk to your spouse as often as you talk to God in prayer uh, <laughs> might not be great. Uh so just to, to get used to having the, those deep conversations with God about your day-to-day life, your just real living. Um, so often we kind of talk to God in this prayer language that can be very distant, very formal, but to learn how to talk to God as a friend. Um, the second thing it does is it helps you to notice how you live your life. So we're not just like, you know, bulls in a China shop, right. uh, just kind of reacting to things, but we're actually noticing, oh, these things inspire gratitude. These things lift me up. These things I struggle in consistently. And here's where it's coming from. Here's where I'm going to try and do better. That really helps, I think, a person grow and mature in their spiritual life. And I think it would make you just very aware of those times when you need to go to confession. 
You know, yeah. So often we're we're focused so much on on the uh, the busyness of our day or of our overall lifelong plans or of uh, you know getting the kids to this or that event that we're really not focusing on whether or not our relationship with God is in a good place or whether or not we really actually need to. Uh, you know, we, we see the big sins. We know those big things that, you know, thou shalt not kill. Uh, and we look at our lives and say, well, I haven't killed anyone. I'm, I'm doing okay. Right. I went, I went to confession a couple of years ago. It's not a big yeah. deal. Uh, and yet we, we still have these hangups, these things that plague us day in and day out. Mm-hmm. And if we're not taking the time to examine how we're relating to God, we can completely miss it. And there's mm-hmm. vibrancy, I think, that comes from paying attention to where we are and what we need in terms of, uh, do I, do I need to have a time of reconciliation with God? It's easier to see in a spouse, oh gosh, we need a date night. We're not doing so well. Right. It's harder to see with the lover of our souls. Hey, you know, I need to go back to confession. I need to have uh, some reconciliation with God. Yeah. It it can really help you kind of check in like, Hey God, how are we doing? Mm -hmm. Um, as one of my a good friend of mine who joined a religious order said, one of the hardest things about being a spouse of Christ is you know that if there's a problem in the relationship, it's always you. (laughs) (laughs) We're talking today with Father Jacob Boddicker, a brand new priest, about the sacrament of confession. So now let's talk a little bit about this this balance and this struggle. We're examining our conscience. We realize that we need to come close to God, but there are many parishes don't have confession very often. Sometimes you go to the website and it says by appointment and you're like, Oh, I wanted to be kind of, uh, I didn't want father to know it was me, but you know, if I call in, he's going to know it's me or they've got, you know, an hour for confession and then, and then by appointment. And so I think there's this balance of one. um, So too often the priest goes into confession, waiting to, to give the sacrament to those who need it and no one shows up. But on the other side, you've got, uh, because of that, he's responding only an hour a week. And then someone feels, well, I can't make it at that time. And so I guess I'm just out of luck. So how do we, um, how do we deal with this tension of really not having confession offered very often? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, I mean, again, it, it depends on the priest and his circumstance and his availability. And um, I realize that I've only been a priest for a little while. So I still have kind of that um, rookie priest naivety and eye <laughs> in the sky perspective. But my hope would be that making the sacrament of reconciliation available would be a priority among priests. Um, again, I'm not in like the real world yet, so to speak. Uh, still have my training wheels on. So I understand there are priests who have three parishes mm-hmm. um, and they, they do the best they can. But again, I would hope that that priest would really prioritize it. And I think by making it more available, um, people would take more advantage of it. Cause I've met a lot of people who, um, will ask father, you know, do you have time for confession? I'm sorry to be a bother. It's like, well, you're not a bother. Um, this is what I'm here for. Um, so I think people are very mindful that priests are very busy. There are a lot of demands on their time. And while the possibility of an appointment is there, they feel like, well, I don't want to bother father, mm-hmm. so I just won't go. But I think it's important to note that, um, you know, in those circumstances where you decide I don't want to go to confession, 
there's another person who doesn't want you to go to confession either. Mm-hmm. And he's not a good person. <laughs> um, but I Jesus see. wants you to go to confession. Even, um, you know, priests tell stories of the, the elderly people who come in and it's like, I don't know, I don't have anything to confess, but it's been a week since my last confession. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, okay, well, how beautiful is that? That you've come because you want this intimate time with our Lord. You want to draw close to his heart. Um, you don't have anything to confess, but you want to be here. Praise God. Yeah. Um, so Jesus wants you. There's a, a, want- there's a priest friend of mine out of uh, the Diocese of Tulsa by the name of Father Kerry Wakulich. And I, once or twice a year, he, he gets this uh, caffeine-fueled... Uh, adrenaline rush and says, Hey, I'm going to go sit in the confessional for 24 hours. Y'all come and bring me a Starbucks. And, <laughs> and, and just the idea that, you know, he knows not, not everyone's going to be there. He's going to have moments of silence, but just saying, maybe your schedule doesn't let you come at, mm-hmm. at the normal time. Hey, we're going to, I'm going to be here for you. And that kind of, of extra effort on the behalf of the priesthood is just uh, something that for me as a layperson, it just I really appreciate that the efforts that our our clergy and priests will go to to give us uh, the graces of the sacrament. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the more the more available you make the sacraments, the more available you make yourself for for that kind of encounter with the Lord. People will take advantage of it. But if it's like, oh, you know, confessions are fifteen minutes before the vigil mass on Saturday people aren't going to go because they're going to realize if I don't get there first, I'm not going. Right. But also like father must be really busy. I don't want to bother. Mm-hmm. I want to thank you so much for being a part of the show, for taking the time to uh, one, to converse with us, but also for the time that you gave to those people uh, in the confessional after mass. Uh, if, if you were that person and you really wanted to have this opportunity more often, how would you bring this up to your priest? Well, um, I guess it would, again, depend on, on his availability, but uh, an, an email or face-to-face conversation would be ideal. But just to share, you know, I really am so grateful for the time that you have available to hear confessions. But I know a lot of people who would come to confession if, and then maybe make a suggestion. Uh, I think it's important for a, a pastor to, kind of get a sense of the lives of his, his parish and uh, to kind of figure out like what days of the week are busy, what days are, do people have time available and try and figure out where can I get people? Where can I put confession in their way so that they trip on it? That's um, a great way to put it. Fall right in. We've been talking today with Father Jacob Boddicker. He's a brand new priest sharing with us about the sacrament of confession. Thank you for being on the show today. My pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. Now, uh, go out. Go to confession. Find the time. Make sure that your priest isn't sitting there alone, holding on to the graces, waiting to give them to you. Remember, as his first observation went, only good people go to confession. Be that person. Realize that your desire, your understanding of your own fallenness means that you are in a good place. God is drawing you in. So go this week. Find a way. Go to confession. We'll be right back right after this. You're listening to Outside the Walls.
Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the foundations and implications of our faith on our daily lives. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam. Today, we've been talking with Father Jacob Boddicker. He's a brand new priest, a Jesuit, currently serving in Omaha. Uh, He was just ordained on June 3rd, and he wrote a Facebook post that a friend, a mutual friend of ours, shared, uh, talking about his observations in these first few months of hearing confessions. And I was just really struck by it, specifically because of the way he responded uh, on on one specific encounter where he uh, wasn't able to finish hearing confessions. And so we told him, I'll be back after Mass. Don't worry. Uh, If you want to come back, I'll I'll hear your confessions. And really, this is only the second time I've encountered that. Uh, A lot of times you don't see confession happening right before Mass. Uh, But I was just so struck by, by the way that he decided to do this first, and I'd seen it done before, but then also by saying, you know what, I'm going to take the the Eucharist back with me in case someone wasn't able to receive. And as I read that, I called to mind some specific times where I, I had to make the choice, and I wrestled with it all through Mass, saying, you know, maybe it wasn't really mortal sin, maybe it wasn't really that big a deal, uh, maybe I should, I should just go up and receive the Eucharist, and then really feeling throughout the Mass wrestling and hearing God say, no, I really want you to go to confession first. And the thought of, of having that kind of a pastoral response, of the pastor saying, listen, I know that you are, are trying to keep the Eucharist sacred. You're, you're keeping it sacred in your own mind. You're not making it something normal. You're realizing the depth of what this is because you have kept yourself from going forward because you know the sin that's in your heart. Uh, and so because of that, I'm going to come and I'm going to meet you and I'm going to give you the grace of the sacrament of reconciliation, but I'm also going to make sure that you have the Eucharist. And just what a beautiful profound picture this was. And so I'm so thankful for all of the priests that are out there. I'm so thankful for the sacrament of of reconciliation. But, you know, I just want to encourage all of my priest friends, if you ever have this opportunity, what a beautiful picture that was. Well, if you missed any part of the interview or you want to share it with someone else, maybe your priest, uh, don't worry. All of our archives are over at OutsideTheWalls.com. Just click on that episode archive link and you can find this show and every other episode we've done. Not only that, but recently we've begun doing extra segments, some unbroadcast segments that uh, are continuations of these interviews with our guests. And this week's is going to be available for everyone. Normally, these extra segments are reserved for those people who support the show through Patreon at about $5 a month. Uh, But this week, it's available to you and and really anyone to see what this is all about, what Patreon does for us. So with the support of Patreon at various different levels, we have various different rewards that could be yours each week for as little as $2 a month to quite a bit more. Why don't you go over to OutsideTheWalls.com, click that Patreon link, and see if there's a level that fits you. Today, we're going to take our reading from Scripture from yesterday's reading, and we're going to take our reading from church history from Monday's reading, because Monday is the the feast day of St. Ignatius of Loyola, the founder of the Jesuit order. It just seemed appropriate, having our had our conversation with the Jesuit today, that we would do that reading, which just, by the way, is on the examination of conscience, on living that examine. So let's start with this reading from Scripture. This comes from Exodus 20. This is where God delivers the Ten Commandments to the people of Israel. And we hear this. In those days, God delivered all these commandments. I, the Lord, am your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, that place of slavery. You shall have no other gods besides me. 
You shall not carve idols for yourselves in the shape of anything in the sky above, or on the earth below, or in the waters beneath the earth. You shall not bow down before them or worship them, for I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God, inflicting punishment for their father's wickedness on the children of those who hate me, down to the third and fourth generation, but bestowing mercy down to the thousandth generation on the children of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not leave unpunished him who takes his name in vain. Remember to keep holy the Sabbath day. Six days you may labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. No work may be done either by you or your son or daughter, or your male or female slave or your beast, or by the alien who lives with you. In six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, and the sea and all that is in them. But on the seventh day he rested. That is why the Lord has blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and mother, that you may have a long life in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not kill. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, nor his male or female slave, nor his ox or his ass, nor anything else that belongs to him. That reading comes from the book of Exodus, chapter 20. And we use these Ten Commandments, as Paul says uh, in, in the book of Romans, I didn't know that I was sinful. I didn't know that I was a slave until I encountered the law. It's the law that lets us know that we've fallen short. And so there's a lot of examinations of conscience out there, and many of them use the Ten Commandments to help us examine our lives to see if we are truly living justly. And as we see our own fallenness, then we come, we see it, we confess, and we are restored into relationship with God. Now, today's reading uh, from church history actually comes from Monday out of the breviary, and not only out of the breviary, but out of the special section for if you're a Jesuit. Uh, because this comes from a reading of the Constitutions of the Society of Jesus, chapter 4, number 44. St. Ignatius of Loyola, the founder of the Society of Jesus, toiled indefatigably in the Lord's vineyard with the single purpose of promoting, in obedience to the Pope, the greater glory of God and the salvation of men throughout the world. He revealed the inspiration of his own life in the following sublime words, in which he described the spirit of those who were called to follow Christ in the society. It is likewise very important to bring to the attention of those who are being examined, emphasizing it and giving it great weight in the sight of our Creator and Lord, to how great a degree it helps and profits in the spiritual life to abhor in its totality, and not in part, whatever the world loves and embraces and to accept and desire with all possible energy whatever Christ our Lord has loved and embraced. Just as the men of the world who follow the world love and seek with such great diligence honors, fame, and esteem for a great name on earth as the world teaches them, so those who proceed spiritually and truly follow Christ our Lord love and intensely desire everything opposite. That is to say, they desire to clothe themselves with the same garb and uniform of their Lord because of the love and reverence owed to him, to such an extent that there would be no offense to his divine majesty and no false accusations and affronts, and to be held and esteemed as fools 
but without there giving any occasion for this, because of their desire to resemble and imitate in some manner our Creator and Lord Jesus Christ by putting on His garb and uniform, since it was for our spiritual profit that He clothed Himself as He did. For He gave us an example that in all things possible to us we might seek, with the aid of His grace, to imitate and follow Him, since He is the way which leads men and women to life. That reading comes from the Constitutions of the Society of Jesus, the Jesuit Order, and this is something that benefits all of us, you and I together. You know, they say that dogs and their owners, after a certain amount of time, or pets and their owners, begin to look like one another. They also say that couples who have been married for years upon years also begin to look like one another. So whether Christ is our master, whether Christ is our uh, intimate partner, our, our spouse, whatever the case may be, we should look like Christ. We should look to him and say, today, did I, did I behave in a way that looked like Christ? Did I live my life in such a way, interacting with the people around me in such a way that they saw Christ in me? Was I wearing the uniform and the garb, as St. Ignatius put it, of our Lord? And if not, as I examine myself throughout the day, if not, then, then I need to change. If not, then I want to do something that makes me look more like Christ. And so I go in prayer. I spend time listening to the, for the voice of God, listening to the voice of God, not just merely uh, throwing up everything to him that I need done, but spending the time to, to sit in silence and to listen for the voice of God. And then to return to the sacraments, the sacrament of confession, which cleanses us of our sins, and the sacrament of the Eucharist, which fortifies us, nourishing us and giving us life, and also helping to preserve us against even temptation. And so this daily examine serves a, a, just an immensely important purpose to help us stay united to Christ, to recognize, as, as Paul says, without the law, I wouldn't know where I fell short. Without this daily examine looking to Christ, we wouldn't know where we fall short. And so taking that time to examine ourselves. There are a couple of things that are out there that I use uh, that I find very helpful. One of them is uh, called Jesuit Prayer. It's a little app on my smartphone. And it just takes me through what the day is, gives me daily inspiration. Uh, it tells me a little bit about if there's a saint of the day, reminds me of what the Pope is praying for. Uh, it gives me that daily examine and, and much more. There's also a great website out there if you don't have the smartphone called sacredspace.ie. It's not a .com, it's .ie. And yes, it's another Jesuit thing. It'll walk you through that short little Jesuit prayer time, maybe five, 10 minutes, and also give you that daily examine. I'll put the links to those over in our social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle's at outside the walls. This week, take the time, go avail yourself of the sacrament, go to confession, you won't regret it. Today's show is brought to you by the generous support of Christy Burmeister and all of our Patreon supporters. Go over to OutsideTheWalls.com, click the Patreon link and see how you can become a part of that community. Until next week, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Peace.